I just want to take a couple of minutes, and by a couple, I don't mean two. Um, I want to share a scripture with you. I, I love this scripture. It's in Psalms chapter 124. And man, this just got in my heart this week. As I was thinking about today and thinking about uh, what, what God is doing in the church, uh, I just want to kind of draw your attention to this scripture and to see what God is doing in the lives of all of his people. So uh, we'll read it in a minute. Uh, I want you to just turn and find your place in Psalm 124. And uh, let me just say this, the way that we express the mission of the church here at our church, I mean, you know, we don't have to come up with a mission. Jesus did that for us. He, he said, here's what the church is all about. But here's the way we verbalize it. We say we are leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. What that means when we say that is we realize that we're leading people on a journey that we ourselves are on. That we're not sitting in the press box telling people how to live their life. But we're leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be. In saying that, we understand something. That none of us have arrived. Amen? That there's no perfect people here. There's only one who was ever perfect and we sang about him earlier. No perfect church members, no perfect people here. And so in saying we're leading people from where they are to where God wants them to be, we realize that we ourselves are somewhere on that bridge. We're somewhere in the process of getting there. Now, maybe you're a little farther than you used to be. We hope so. You're probably a little farther than somebody else. But we recognize that none of us have arrived. In fact, one of the things that we talked about with the new members uh, in our class was that one of the things that we look for in the life of a church member is evidence of a consistent Christian life. And in saying that, it, it, that could sound uh, a little bit, you know, religious and staunchy. Wait a minute, what do you mean you're looking for evidence of a consistent Christian life? Does that mean I have to, you know, I have to do this and do that and everything has to be perfect or I can't be a member? Here's the way that we say it in this church. We say that what we're looking for is direction not perfection. Because we realize that none of us have arrived. And so what we're hoping for in, in the life of this church, in your life, in my life, is that there are going to be moments where your faith is weak. There are going to be moments where you may stumble from time to time. But when you fall, you fall forward. That you're not rejecting Christ or the message of the, the gospel, but that you're still striving to get there. Because we know that none of us have arrived. I mean, there was a day when Peter stepped over the bow of a boat and walked on water. But then there was another day where he warmed himself around a fire with a little girl. And he was so intimidated that he denied that he even knew who Jesus was. Nobody's pulling his membership card on that low point. It's a recognition of the fact that, you know what, Peter stumbled, but the grace of Jesus was there for him, and the grace is there for us, and so we realize that none of us have arrived, but here's something else that that statement says to me, to lead people from where they are to where God wants them to be means that I have to be willing, you have to be willing to go to where people actually are, that we don't stand at, at what we feel might be a standard of uh, acceptance in the church and call back to people and say, if you'll get to our level, you can be in the club. No, it's loving people and leading people from where they are. And that's why I love Psalm 124. I love Psalm 124 because it communicates 
that we're all in this same boat. That the gospel doesn't say, here's the standard, Jesus set the standard. If you can reach that standard, then you can see his glory. No, the Bible says the exact opposite of that. In John chapter 1, the Bible says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The gospel is not us getting to God. The gospel is that Jesus became a man. He made his dwelling among us. And then the Bible says this. It says, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Grace, not judgment and religion. He came full of grace and truth. And because Jesus came, he stepped into our story. He came to the place where we were. We have seen the glory of God. That's why I love the Christmas story. And you, you'll remember this moment. You've seen it played out every year where the angel appears to the wise men in the field. And the proclamation announcing Jesus' birth is, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Do you know why it's called good news? That's what the word gospel means, by the way. It's called good news because it's for all people. If it was just for an elite few, it wouldn't really be good news. But everybody can say the gospel is good news because it's for all people. That's why I love Psalm 124. I actually do want to read it to you. Are you ready? Are you there? Psalm 124. It begins with these words. If the Lord had not been on our side. How many of you could say that about a whole lot of stuff in your life? I mean, we won't take testimony time because, you know, there's cake waiting for us. But if the Lord had not been on our side. David writes these words. And then almost right after he says it, he kind of stops. And he says, wait a minute, church. This is not my testimony. This is our testimony. So look at it. He says, if the Lord had not been on our side. Let Israel say, if the Lord had not been on our side. And can I just play the role of David for a few moments with you? And, and say, if the Lord had not been on my side, my story would be totally different. But it's not just my story. It's your story too. So let Wrightsville Church say this morning, if the Lord had not been on my side. In my head, that went so much better. We're going to try that again. Let Wrightsville Church say, if the Lord had not been on our side. Being a worship leader is hard sometimes. But David was trying to get it. He was saying, this is your story. This is your reality as much as it's my reality. God has kept us. God has sustained us. God has been faithful to us. And really, that's what all of Psalm 124 is about. That's what this whole service has been about. That when you see testimonies like brother thomas's testimony how he said i faced death 14 times and i'll face it again someday that when you realize the grace of god that saved him that you too say wow if the lord had not been on my side maybe you had a near-death encounter when you hear steve's testimony or tara's testimony and you see uh chris talking about the way that god sustained him in a difficult day and he said if the lord had not been on my side and let Wrightsville say if the lord had not been on our side 
So David's saying, this is all of us. We're in this same camp. And when you see these parents dedicating their children to the Lord, they're recognizing what a gift from God those kids are. And they're saying, God, we don't want to squander this responsibility. We want to make a commitment from our hearts. And maybe you would join in with them and say, boy, you know, I realize what a precious gift I have. What an opportunity I have to point my kids in the direction of God's will for their life. And you join in the course when you see these new members coming and making a commitment to to love the church, to serve the church, to be faithful to the church, and to say, we believe that God's called us to be in a family. Maybe you sit there and you realize, you know what? Man, being a part of the family of God is a blessing. I got got to ante up here. I got to recommit. I got to resolve in my heart. I recognize, boy, if the Lord had not been on my side, the Bible says God sets the lonely in families. And maybe today you're recognizing there's an incredible gift before you called the body of Christ. That's what this whole service is about. That's what David's psalm was about. Look at the second verse again. He said, if the Lord, they all said, if the Lord had not been on our side... And then in the next several verses, verse 2b through 5, David starts giving all of the things that could have happened. He starts saying all the things that that would have happened. And I'll just read it. I don't want to stay here long, but it could have been bad. That's what he says in verse 2. When the people attacked us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared against us, the flood would have engulfed us, the torrent would have swept over us. The raging waters would have swept us away. Now, here's the thing I love about Psalm 124. It doesn't really tell us what the specific circumstances were that he was writing about. There are some psalms that that do that. They're very clear. You can read the psalm and go, oh, that was written about the time when David was hiding from Saul in a cave. Oh, that was written about the time when David was confessing his sins uh, from, with Bathsheba. This is one of those moments where we go, I don't really know what he's talking about. I mean, he could have been talking about when Moses led the people through the wilderness. He could have been talking about Joshua marching around Jericho. He could have been talking about uh, Gideon routing the enemies. He could have been talking about his own battles with the Philistines. But I think that's the point. That he leaves it kind of wide open. So that we don't look back at a specific scenario and say, Yep, God, God was faithful right then. Instead, he points to the whole history of the people of Israel. And he says, if the Lord had not been on our side. Can you come up with one moment in your life where you can't say that to be true? You know what? It was bad. I mean, it was really bad. I I almost died. I almost lost my life. I almost lost my house. I almost lost my marriage. But if the Lord had not been on our side. And David points to the whole of history for the people of Israel And for us to look back over all of our lives and realize that God has been faithful. And because he's been faithful. And he has been. And that doesn't mean everything's okay today. You might be in the middle of a difficult situation. You might say, I am going through the worst thing I've ever faced in my life. But can I tell you the good news? You're going through it. There's other people that have faced what you're facing and they never came out the other side. But you're going through something difficult because the Lord is on your side. You're still here this morning. You're in God's house this morning. Because the Lord has been on your side. And that's what David's trying to get the people to see. 
And because he's been faithful, it demands a response from the people of God. So look at the next verse. Verse 6, he says, here's what needs to happen. Verse 6 says, praise be to the Lord. Can I tell you something about the Psalms? Whenever you see the word praise the Lord, it's never a statement like praise the Lord. It's always a command. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what he's saying. God has been for us. God has been faithful. God has kept us. He has preserved us. You ought to praise the Lord. This is the worship leader trying to inspire the people to get with him. Get with me. This is what David's saying. And I feel his pain in this moment because you're so quiet. Praise the Lord. And honestly, we've all had moments where we became very aware of the goodness of God. Maybe it was a time when one of your kids were sick and you didn't know what was going to happen. And then all of a sudden the fever broke. And boy, a flood of tears and emotion as you realized that something just happened that was absolutely out of your control. Maybe you were in one of those situations where you just had a near miss. Of a head-on collision. Or maybe you did have the head-on collision. And you were able to walk away from it. And in those moments we go, wow, man, thank you God. And genuine praise. I mean heartfelt gratitude begins to flow out of us. David's trying to open our eyes to say, hey, look back over your lives. The appropriate response for you and for me this morning is praise the Lord. And then in the second part of Verse 6, he gives a really vivid picture of the enemy. He says this, the Lord who has not let us be torn by their teeth. That's a vivid picture, torn by their teeth. But it's appropriate throughout scripture to see the enemy as a devouring beast. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8 that we should be alert and sober-minded because the devil, our adversary, is roaming throughout the earth seeking whom he may devour. He wants to rip you apart with his teeth. That's what David is saying. To the enemy is coming at us, but praise be to God that he hasn't let it happen. God has protected us. God has defended us. Look at the next verse. There's only two more. They're cutting the cake. Stay with me. Verse 7, we have escaped, he says, like a bird from the fowler's snare. The snare has been broken and we have escaped. We have escaped, he said. I love that picture that the enemy comes in trying to devour us with his teeth. And he said, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. You know what the enemy wants to do in your life, in my life? He wants to cage you. He wants to keep you from spreading your wings and seeing the full potential that God created you with. Like like a bird in a zoo with its wings clipped. I I mean, I love seeing eagles at the zoo. But seeing an eagle at the zoo has nothing on seeing those eagles at Steve's house on the day that he was baptized at the river. We saw four of them that day. Right outside of his house. Man, that was so majestic. It was so amazing. To go to the zoo and see some birds sitting on a perch that can't fly anymore. I mean, that's, that's depressing. That's what the enemy wants to do for you. He wants to cage you. He wants to clip your wings. 
That's what sin does. That's what Satan does in our lives. And, and here's the testimony of the redeemed. Those that were in the waters of baptism that came up out of the waters today, they were testifying to this. They were saying, we have escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare. Can I tell you, I think when they, when they got in that water, and some of you, you've never been baptized before, you need to be baptized in water. When you come in that water, I believe there's something supernatural that takes place. I believe it's more than just an outward demonstration. And leading up to this service, we prayed that something supernatural would take place. Because the Bible says, and I just want to give you another verse here before we get to the last one in Psalm 124. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, In Him, Jesus, you were circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, Bible terminology, that seemed like the wrong verse at the wrong time. But we understand from Scripture that circumcision, and yes, I'm talking about what you think I'm talking about, was an outward sign of a covenant relationship with God, with the people of Israel. It was the sign that all the men of Israel, all the sons of Abraham, were to be circumcised. And those that were of the circumcision were in covenant relationship with God. That's why a lot of times you would hear David in the Psalms, point his finger at the enemy and say, oh, you uncircumcised Philistines. He didn't really care about their private life. What he was saying, what he was saying was, you're not in relationship with the living God. You're not in relationship with the God of heaven. You uncircumcised Philistine. But what Colossians says, Paul writes, that we have a circumcision that's not performed by human hands. No, he says, your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. And what is he talking about? What is that circumcision? He says in the next verse, Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Here's what I believe happens when you're buried with him in baptism and you're raised with him in faith in the work that he's done. You're putting off that old sinful nature. You're putting it off. And here's the awesome part of my favorite verse in all of Psalm 124. Verse 7. It says, it's not only have we escaped like a bird from the fowler's snare, but look at the next part. It says the snare has been broken. And we have escaped. Can I tell you the, the hope in Christ is not just that you have forgiveness of sins and then next week you come back and you get forgiveness of the same sins and the week after that because you fell into the same snare you get forgiveness of those sins one more time. And thank God that His grace is without measure. But the reality is what God wants to do is set you free and break the snare. Destroy it off your life. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what he's done for us. There are things that used to bind me. I'm not bound by anymore. There are things that used to tempt me that I'm not tempted by anymore. Now, I haven't arrived. I'm somewhere on the spectrum. I'm still on the journey. I haven't been perfected yet in Christ, nor will I be till I stand in his presence. We have a battle to fight. But the reality is, 
There are snares that he has broken off of my life. And if you're here today and you love Jesus and and he's your Lord, but you have snares, maybe habitual sins, things that keep tripping you up, by faith today, put your confidence in Jesus Christ and believe that he wants to put off those sinful desires. He wants to break the fowler's snare. He wants to break it off your life. He wants to set you completely free. And here's the whole point of Psalm 124. It's verse 8. Look at it with me. It says, our help is in the name of the Lord. That's where our help comes from. It's in the name of the Lord. The Bible says in Acts 2, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The next part of verse 8 says, the maker of heaven and earth. I think he just threw that in for good measure. I mean, it would have been enough to say our help is in the name of the Lord. By the way, in case you forgot, he's the one who flung the stars in the sky. He's the one who upholds the universe by his very words. He's the one that orders your day and your universe. It's in his name that we get our help. And as we read in the scripture earlier today, he knows your name. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew your name. But can I tell you, another part of the good news today is that you know his name. His name is Jesus. He came to save. He came to heal. He came to deliver you. And if it had not been for him, where would we be? Where where would you be? Where would I be? I want to tell you, I don't even want to spend much time thinking about it. Because a good testimony like Psalm 124, like the ones that you saw played out on the video today. A good testimony is not so much about the hazards that we went through as much as it is about the help that we receive. It's about glorifying Jesus for all that He's done in us, through us, and for us. He has been faithful. If the Lord had not been on our side. Let the church this morning say it with me. If the Lord had not been on our side. Could you stand as we close this service today? One more time. I want to ask you to say it out loud with me. If the Lord had not been on our side. And we're going to respond the way that David said is appropriate. I want us to just take about 30 seconds right now. And out of your own mouth and out of your own heart. Let gratitude. Let praise. I want to give you the command of the psalmist. Praise the Lord. Because he has been on your side. You say, yeah, but it's bad. You don't know what I'm going through, but you're going through it. God's with you today. Come on, right now, let's take 30 seconds and give Him praise. Father God, we bless You for Your faithfulness today. God, we worship You today because You have been for us. And Your Word says, if God be for us, who can be against us? God, You're on our side. You go before us, Lord. The God of angel armies is for us today. Thank you, Lord God, that you're extending your righteous right hand towards us. Even now, God, as we bless you, as we praise you. Father, thank you that you are fighting for us. You are meeting our needs. God, those that haven't even sought you, those that aren't even seeking you. God, you are calling them. You are fighting for their salvation. You said in your word, I would not will that any perish. God, thank you today that you found us, that you rescued us. 
While we were still sinners, God, you lavished your grace upon us. Your word says that there were none of us who were righteous. There were none of us who did right. All of our hearts were wicked above all things. And yet, God, by your spirit, you drew us to the well spring of salvation. You drew us to Calvary. You drew us to redemption. God, today I thank you that you're breaking the enemy's snare. Today, Lord God, for the child of God that has struggled to get over habitual sins, the child of God today that has struggled to break the pattern of addiction, to break the stronghold of desire in their life, today, God, put your foot on the snare of the enemy. After you release them once again from that place of captivity, God, break the temptation, break the desire off of their life. Thank you, God, today. That who the sun sets free is free indeed. We're free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you don't know him today, right now while we're praying, just call on him. You don't have to have special words.